This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. The Huskies Warming House podcast is also brought to you by the Soda Pod, home of MNCAA college hockey news and more. Stay wild and up to date with new episodes throughout every week. Find them on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and other podcast platforms. And welcome into the Huskies Warming House podcast, episode 194 here in the den. Nick Maxson joining myself, Noah Grant, for another week of Huskies hockey. Relatively back to normal, I would say, for the first time in about maybe six weeks, give or take. I mean, finally, both teams playing, normal weekend, no craziness. I I think the only thing that was somewhat abnormal, uh, Nick, we'll kind of get to it, uh, women's hockey, uh, an opponent that maybe they should have handled on paper, but an opponent that gave them more than they maybe anticipated. A very good showing from, I would say, both squads. You were in attendance this weekend, and uh, yeah, bit of pushback from uh, the Mankato Mavericks on Friday. More so the Huskies weren't ready to play. Yeah. Um, I, and, you know, I, I don't want to sugarcoat it. No, they, they dropped an egg on Friday. Uh, Minnesota State also came out with a jump they you know they got too early uh st cloud got it within one by the end of the first they really didn't start finding their legs until halfway through the first you know halfway through the game at that point minnesota state um led by john harrington uh kind of locked things down there were blocking shots uh st cloud was missing the net quite a bit and overall just not a fantastic performance and uh you could you could tell after talking with uh head coach idolski after that game that that was one that he knew got away and more so that you know looking up at the competition that's ahead of him um you know, now if they want a home ice position, they're going to need some help, which is unfortunate. So they really looked at this as an opportunity wasted. And quite frankly, it was. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I guess you th- you think about uh, if you want to be technical about it, um, I mean, kind of on the same side of things, uh, the Huskies may be on the men's side, similar fashion, uh, just kind of their results as well, too. Maybe not the greatest showing on a Friday night that you know the Huskies would want on the men's side as well too so but good responses I would say for both squads in the second night and why don't we jump right into it center ice view news and notes presented by huskiesillustrated.com and the soda pod center ice view news and notes center ice view provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes recaps photos and more go to centericeview.com So 
Episode 194, Nick Max and Noah Grant here in the den in the second week ish of January. Uh, like we mentioned, both teams relatively back to normal for their schedule from here on out for the most part, minus maybe a potential bye week uh, for one of the squads. But other than that, uh, it's basically all hands on deck as you move through usually what is the gauntlet for conference play for both the WCHA and the NCHC. Nick, we're going to start on the women's side uh, as we usually do on that Friday night and that aforementioned game uh, and a contest. Uh, well, actually, I, I should say, yeah, we'll, we'll start on Friday and then we'll, we'll, work, we'll work our way backwards. Why don't we do that? Um, this was a two to one hockey game. Um, uh, attendance of just under 300 and the Huskies uh, unfortunately dropped to 13-7 and 1 after this one a game they were outshot 32 to 26 11-6 in the first 15-7 in the second like you mentioned uh, a slightly uncharacteristic slow start for this squad they responded in period number 3 13 to 6 was the margin but uh, all the scoring ended up actually happening in the first period uh, St. Cloud had both power play opportunities they did not convert Mankato did not need a power play opportunity in order to get the job done uh, pretty much dead even 26 25 the huskies have the slight edge uh in the face-off circle as well but it just was not enough unfortunately jojo choback uh stopping 30 of 32 in this one uh and the scoring getting started nick we don't have the audio for this one on friday night but whitney tuttle uh with her eighth of the season one of those where a defenseman unfortunately just kind of ends up getting burned a little bit here goaltender over commits and uh just like that a defenseman that is caught a bit flat-footed backing into your own zone concedes too much ground and just like that it's in the back of the net yeah and this is you know a big part of the picture of this was you know the huskies were allowing Mankato essentially just to go right down the middle of the ice. Um, you talk about gap control and, you know, trying to, you know, shall I say, lead a defenseman out towards, uh, I shouldn't say defenseman before, trying to, you know, be pushed towards the outside there. Um, Mankato really attacked the middle of the ice against St. Cloud on Friday. They really tried to just ram it right down their throats. And as you mentioned there, just maybe a little bit too casual, a little bit too on their heels there. Um, Obviously, you have to you know tip your cap to a great move there, and then as you mentioned, Showback kind of in no man's land, you know had a choice to either commit or to be patient. She committed, and then a great move there by Tuttle, who has now a pretty nice six game point streak, uh, eight points during that stretch. So um, she's been one of their hottest uh, producers as of late, and uh, she got things rolling there for Man- for Mankato. Good individual effort. Yeah, it took a little bit for Mankato to actually get on the board. 13.50 mark for the opener there, and then moments later, about three minutes or so, Claire Vekic, I believe, it, correct me if I'm wrong, the four-room Bemidji State Beaver. Um, yes, correct. Uh, fifth goal of the season for her, Jessica Bolin, uh, found her as well. And this is kind of one of those where you got two Huskies puck watching and uh, right down Broadway, don't care how good the goaltender is. Yeah, and the defensive breakdown too. You see right there, you know, Carmen Bray there, the freshman. It was her first ever NCAA game. Uh, she was anticipated to join the Huskies next season, but with the injuries to uh, Grace Wolf and Reagan Bolger, uh, mind you, they've been playing Clara Himlarova, the forward for St. Cloud on the back end, just to kind of give them a different look. Now, mind you, Himlarova, I asked her about it on Saturday. You know, what's it like to kind of going up and down the lineup? She's fine with it. She feels very comfortable with it, and you, you can just tell St. Cloud is a much 
different team when she's in the back end because she can just read the play so well. But this is one of those, you know, kind of freshman mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is where two Huskies again puck watching, but then they both overcommit. There's no communication, and then nobody reading the play as far as the forwards picking up that, you know, um, Minnesota State player in the slot. And like you said, there's no goaltender that, you know, you really can expect to stop that. So a couple of breakdowns leading to a 2 nothing lead for the Mavericks. Yeah, and you look at the fact shots 10-4 at that particular moment. As you mentioned, it was all Mavs in that first period. The Huskies responded two minutes later to make it a one-goal hockey game. Greta Henderson and Clara Himmlerova, who you just mentioned, found Taylor Lynn uh, for her third of the season. And, uh, you know, the Huskies had a little bit of life despite not having maybe the best period of sorts, rebound and creating chaos bodies crashing the crease and creating an opportunity and that's exactly what you want it's just somebody floating a puck towards the net second and third chance opportunity and just like that the huskies despite being doubled up on shots make it a one goal hockey game and this was something that brian idolski really hit home on friday at his press conference he just said you know hey our passes weren't crisp you know our skating wasn't there he goes to just it was an off night but you know when you're fighting offensively and i mentioned you know before the mavericks also really you know essentially taking away the shot lanes that were blocking shots. And he said, you know, if we're not getting the looks, we got to be able to a find ways to get the puck through. And sometimes we've got to, you know, turn our attention to having, you know, the goals sometimes be greasy. He goes, sometimes, you know, we have to be able to adjust. We didn't do it in time. And, you know, had we looked about how we scored that first goal, maybe if we maybe replicated that same type of effort, maybe could have tied it, maybe turned the tides a bit. But he's like, overall, our game wasn't great. But, you know, that is a good learning experience for us. You know, when we're not, you know, creating chances or maybe because, you know, we're shooting ourselves in the foot, sometimes simplifying the game and then just funneling pucks toward the net, as you mentioned, second and third chance opportunities, rebounds happen. Um, and at least from my vantage point, you know, that goaltender, though, made some pretty nice saves in the third. Yeah. She was giving up some rebounds, um, you know, at times. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, Got to tip your cap to Mankato, but also for St. Cloud. You know, that's going to be when they look at the film and, you know, will have to kind of pocket in the back of their heads to know if, you know, games are are not going the way that they should be or they're, they're seem like they're fighting it. That's just one way that you can try to, uh, you know, sort of even things out. It's just, you know, take it at the front and see what happens. Well, and this was one of the things that I think if you're a Huskies fan, you had a bit of fear of, even though you had the exhibition scrimmage or whatever against St. Thomas, is that you knew that you were rolling into the end of the first half of the season you wanted a good start to the second half and let's be honest I mean Mankato is in a position to be desperate and be able to kind of force the issue a little bit here they really don't have a whole lot to lose really they reflected it even if you go to Saturday's game here a 4-2 victory for the Huskies they get the job done for their 14th win of the season attendance of just under 500 Uh, they outshot St. Cloud by 10 Uh, 11-6 in the first 14-9 in the second dead even at 7-all in the third for a 32-22 official total both teams don't capitalize three opportunities for the Mavs on the power play Huskies 0 for 2 on their respective opportunities but they did dominate in the faceoff dot uh, 31 for 52 Um, so you have to feel good about that and uh, ultimately Nick what this kind of came out uh, uh, to as well is the Huskies end up carrying a two-goal lead into the first period. Uh, and I will say this uh, for our listeners and our viewers um, if a voice sounds familiar well it might just be because it might be one of the best play-by-play guys in the biz uh, calling this first one Ella Onik, her second of the season. CeCe Bowlby and Clara Himmlerova just before the four-minute mark. Into the middle, here's Bowlby. Back to the right side. One time, plus Anik, she scores! 
And Nick, that's one of those where if you're the Huskies, you're struggling on that first night, you got to feel good about the response. You got to feel good about the fact you get on the board less than five minutes into that hockey game. And just like that, St. Cloud's off and running. You know, when we talked to Brian and a couple of the players after Saturday's win, right? Um, you know, they talked about how, you know, yeah, they were disappointed after yesterday, but they needed to refocus and they really needed to play playoff hockey, not only for that particular game, but now toward the end of the season, it's now playoff hockey, right? Uh, but like you mentioned, it was a player when you had a tough outing, you know, you want to get confidence back. There's no way to do it than getting on the board early, as you mentioned. And what a blast by Onik there from the top of the blue line, beating the goaltender on the shoulder. Uh, can't really place it better. But again, it's that simple hockey, right? You get the puck to the net, a good hard shot placed really well and it beats the goaltender. But as you mentioned, really important to get that first one and to feel like you're in control a little bit. So I feel like that first goal was super important for St. Cloud to get. Yeah, and creating some separation. Taylor Lynn, Clara Hemlerova, uh, just after the halfway mark of the period, found Avery, Avery Farrell for her sixth of the season. St. Cloud, here's Farrell with Zimmerman. Farrell shoots, scores! And that's one of those, again, Nick, it almost feels like the Huskies, too, um, started to create a little bit more and got back to their game offensively where they're creating chances directly off of the rush. It didn't feel like as much of a slog as it did on Friday night. A little bit more wide open, a little bit more speed and skill, I think, favored St. Cloud in this one. And I love the decision by Farrell to rip it here. Um, in Friday's game, there were a couple of odd man opportunities where Mankato did actually a really good job of back checking and they actually broke up some passes across the slot. And for Farrell, who I think has an underrated shot, at least on the bigger scale of college hockey, um, seemed like it caught the goaltender Hanson off guard a little bit. Um, she just, you know, gripped it, ripped it. And it felt like the goaltender was really expecting a pass because she was very, you know, sort of off balance there with that reaction. So, but again, you know, things are going well. You rip it, see what happens. And Farrell beat the goaltender clean in a nice 2 nothing lead at that point for the Huskies. Yeah, we had to go all the way to the halfway point of the hockey game 10 seconds before. In fact, a little uh, little player for the Mavs by the name of Mackenzie Bourgeret, if you're a Huskies fan. That name should ring a lot of bells. The former Husky on the board for the Mavs and uh, made it a one-goal contest. So there's a shot there from Rusky. Stick to save. Rebound scores! <laughs> That's kind of one of those, Nick. You look at the reaction. She knew. I mean, she knew. She, scoring yep. scoring uh, in the Granite City. Just a little bit of extra flavor when you're playing against uh, your old squad and, and things like that. And a good follow-up rebound. Not often uh, necessarily that you get Huskies goaltenders swimming. Good follow-up chance, I would say, and a good response. And this is where if you're watching as a young hockey player, right, and, you know, oftentimes you're thinking, what can I do with the puck? This is a perfect example of where to be positioned without the puck in the offensive zone, right? Uh, Chobak, again, normally pretty good at rebound control, pops one out. Borgeri is in a great spot, takes one little dance to the side, pots it in, wide open net. And as you mentioned, she knew it. Um, there was a little bit of flavor, a little bit of emotion throughout the weekend for her, you know, a little pushing and shoving. But, you know, that's to be expected. And uh, as you mentioned, that, that celebration told you everything, how much that goal meant to her in that moment. And more so to cut the Huskies lead to just one at that point. And the Mavericks suddenly was some momentum in that hockey game. Am I, I guess maybe we'd be correct in assuming I think that would technically be the first Huskies Warming House podcast guest to former guest to score against St. Cloud in show history. That would be. 
Just, yeah. just throwing that out there. You mentioned how good Whitney Tuttle has been as well, too. She added her ninth of the season just moments later, and just like that, the Mavs tie this one up. Seth counters. Possible numbers here for Minnesota State. Langseth floating pass, and then a rebound. Shot scores! And bit of a defensive breakdown, Nick, but at the same time, what a great play off of the saucer pass on your backhand. That's not an easy read for an attacking forward to be able to elevate that puck over the glove. Perfect redirect, and I mean, kind of say what you want about the fact that the Huskies were caught out of position there, but at the same time, I mean, that, that's a goal scorer's goal. That's an extremely tough save to try to make. And what, well, how about that pizza right on that, on that, on that pass, right? That was a perfect twirl um, on that sauce. But, uh, you know, at the end of it, uh, you know, I think it was also hard there for, for the goaltender was you had two forwards there on the weak side, right? So, you know, could that have swung to the far side forward? Um, it did not, I believe. I believe Tuttle was the one that was closest there. And it did kind of sneak in, uh, I think, in between the body and the arm. So, again, a nice redirect to get it over the pad. She wasn't pretty tight there. So, you know, sometimes you got to get it up in a hurry. And, you know, sometimes it's just got to leak through. And it did for Tuttle. And, again, she continues her role. Again, that was the point that got her to a six-game point streak. Um, and, again, back-to-back games with a goal. So, yeah, pretty impressive. Absolutely. And well, despite being outshot uh, by five in the second period, the Huskies had the last laugh at the end of the period in four on four action. Ella Onik, uh, her second goal of the game and third of the season for the Huskies, put them ahead with just under two minutes to play. Looking play is Onik, keeps the puck alive with the blue line, out the whole way and then just wrists one towards the net. And this is this is one of those, Nick, where um, camera angle didn't really do it justice, I don't think. But at the same no. time, um, you know, what a shot. And I think if you're St. Cloud and you're trying to try to find some sort of advantage, those are goals that you necessarily don't expect to score up over the blocker side. But at the same time, good things happen when you shoot the puck. I think that's a lesson that we can maybe take out of this is a puck that maybe shouldn't be at a goaltender necessarily, but ends up finding the back of the net. Well, as you mentioned, the camera angle really doesn't show the the traffic that was in front of Haley Hansen there. And, and you could tell by her reaction when the puck was in her crease, she had no idea that it beat her. She never yeah. had a look at it. And, you know, when you as a defenseman, right, you know, and I think we can go back to the men's side with VD Miettinen and how, you know, his shots always been good. But over the last year or two he's really tried to figure out and utilize the screen or the player that's in front of him to just sort of you know hide the shot and hide where it's going um not to say that onik maybe was trying that but that was definitely part of that shot was Mm -hmm. again you know picking it up walking the blue line going back against the grain and then uh you know again goaltender didn't see it ends up in the top left corner of the net and just like that a very important go-ahead goal late in the second um and, you know, you know what, just to add on to this quick, I asked Sidalski about this because you're up to nothing. You know, you, you feel pretty good. Mankato comes back to tie it. Um, and I simply asked, you know, at this point, after a pretty bad performance on Friday, what was the attitude? What was the emotions like on the bench? And, you know, he just said this this was a gut check for us. And he goes, I really felt like we handled it well. Um, you know, it helped that we got that goal late in the second to give us that one goal cushion. But he goes, yeah, no, this is, you know, these are the the moments that we have to be able to be mentally strong for. And at the end of the day, you know, he felt like they responded well. There was no panic on the bench. You know, it was like, all right, let's go to work. And uh, Huskies, again, 
getting that all-important go-ahead goal before the start of the third. Yeah, and as you mentioned, ends up being the eventual game winner. Nail in the coffin halfway through period number three. Taylor Lynn finds Laura Zimmerman for her fourth of the year. And now emerges back from behind her cage. Pass through to Zimmerman. Here's a breakaway. Zimmerman in. Backhand scores! I mean, what a pass, Nick. And I think on, yeah. on top of that as well, the finish is important just in the sense that uh, in my mind, especially as a left-handed shooter, you're creeping towards the glove side as it is. And in in my mind, I'm thinking she's going to shoot this block, block her side. She's going to shoot. She's going to shoot. And I think a goaltender, as much as they want to cheat towards the way that she's leaning, they have to respect the fact that the puck is in a presentable position on that blocker side. So then she starts to cheat back towards the blocker side as Play gets closer and closer, thinking, oh, she's got to shoot this puck. And that's when essentially she outweights the netminder and then forehand, backhand upstairs. And that's, I think that's a sneakily deft move that people don't really give enough credit for is that having one, your feet moving to continue to keep that play and keep the goaltender honest, but then the puck's in a ready shooting position. It's presentable. You can shoot that puck if the goaltender's cheating the opposite direction, but then you have the option to make a move like that. And what a sweet finish. I uh, want to go back to the reception, dude. First of all, Taylor Lynn, the forward, uh, making that pass happen. Uh, watching it, I'm not sure if the, the video quality does it justice. That was not the best uh, presented pass either. It was sort of a rolling puck. So for Laura Zimmerman to be able to cradle that, control it, and then again in stride, be able to pull away. And as you mentioned, I think also with Laura Zimmerman, the book is out on her. She loves to shoot. She's a great offensive player. And as a goaltender, you know, that's something you look at in the film, right? You do understand that if this player is coming down, they like to shoot. So that does help. But as you mentioned, when you execute that forehand backhand, you know, it's a lot about the deception to to shoot. And then she pulls it backhand and goaltender sort of commits early and then be able to roof that all in stride, essentially with speed. That is a heck of a way to finish a goal. Uh, but just a great look, right? Because the Huskies, really weren't stretching it. Uh, Mankato trapped a lot in the first game. Uh, at times, uh, they would also sit back a bit. So to be able to have that vision coming from behind their own net and to be able to just send that through the middle of the ice to make that happen, what a play that was. And as you mentioned, was the nail in the coffin that the Huskies needed to take home the victory in the second night of action. And we'll talk about how important those points were in just a second. 30 of 32 saves. Uh, again, for Sonia Hola, actually uh, identical numbers for both net miners both nights. Huskies give up 64 shots this weekend though which not that that's been uncharacteristic but against teams that have been lower than them in the standings they've usually had a bit more dominance than what they had this weekend speaking of uh, dominance by the way Nick uh, why don't we first of all we'll take a look actually uh, at some of the other games that ended up going on this weekend uh we started, of course, on Friday, uh, which was our slate to uh, get things rolling here. Duluth, 2-0 victory over Bemidji State. Keep an eye on this one, Huskies fans. You're watching those Bulldogs very closely. The Beavers, yep. to their credit, gave them maybe a tighter contest than they would have expected. Um, and then the other one, Ohio State, 7-0 over the yeah. Gophers at Ritter Arena. We go down to Saturday. 6-1 was the final against the Gophers in that one. Duluth as well on the other side, 7-0. Not too much of a contest for Bemidji in night number two. But uh, And then the other games going on, St. Thomas, 7-0 uh, and 5-1. They do lose both nights to the Wisconsin Badgers on Saturday and then today on Sunday, this time of recording. But I guess to pull out, out of this before we pay attention to the fact that Duluth got all points available, Minnesota, yep. we talked about how they were going to be kind of that wild card X factor that could really go either way, Nick. Ugh. Yikes. Yeah. Um, you know, 
it's hard, right? Because, you know, at the same time, you know, was it the similar type of rust that the Huskies faced in night number one, right? I don't know. Um, is it a trend after two games? We're getting there, but I think next weekend we'll, we'll see how they respond, right? I'm not ready to ride them off yet, but, you know, for as, you know, disappointing Friday was for Huskies fans, um, 13 to 1 being outscored yeah. at your own building, Minnesota. That is not something you see almost ever. Um, so some definitely some alarm bells, ha- you know, happening in Gopherland down there in Ritter Arena. But, you know, again, there's still a lot of hockey left to be played. So we'll see how they respond. They probably will. They're a team that usually when they get beat up a little bit, uh, and let's just say that they'd like to return the favor. So we'll see what happens next week. And I don't think it's a trend yet, but it's definitely a little bit of a concern if you're a Minnesota Gopher fan. Yeah, Gophers travel to the Sanford Center in Bemidji. So an opponent that they should handle on paper, even though the fact that they're on the road, Wisconsin, of course, will travel to Mankato, so keep an eye on that one to see if the Mavs can pull off a bit of an upset. And then uh, one that I think if you're a Huskies fan, you're paying attention to, Duluth traveling to uh, the Buckeyes in Ohio State. Um, and yep. let's see if uh, if you're a Huskies fan, you want Ohio State to keep rolling if you're paying attention right now yep. at this point, I would say. So speaking of uh, implications, the fact that Duluth gets all the points, uh, not only did the Huskies lose on Friday, they lose in regulation, which makes it all the more painful. Yep. Yeah, every point matters here. Let's take a look here at our WCHA standings. We mentioned the Buckeyes, 43 points for them. Only have lost once in conference play. Just a just a hint, hint on that one. Uh, and then 37 points for Wisconsin uh, in second after the Gophers' abysmal weekend for them. Uh, now 33 yep. points puts them only, only four points shy of Duluth, who is now by proxy for the time being uh in fourth place just the fact they have one more in conference victory they are 10 and 6 in the wcha huskies also with 29 points in fifth a 9 6 and 1 record uh both teams 16 games played and a 604 uh, points percentage in the wcha mankato improves to 12 points on the year uh stretching that lead between the bottom two bemidji state at six st thomas at three to round out your eight teams in the wcha uh nick this is um i mean this is one of those where uh if you're the huskies we talk about every point needing to be there you would have at like at least like to push that game maybe beyond regulation if you're going to lose on friday I, we say it in a cliche sort of way but you have to be ready for every start every hockey game yep. especially coming out of the break uh and something that in years past has been there has not been the case this year Unfortunately, the start to Friday night became the Achilles heel for the Huskies that might have cost them uh, right now fourth place in the standings. And it's funny because we we discussed that on Friday with Brian Adelski too. Remember, they didn't add that scrimmage with St. Thomas until very late. It was almost like last week of November. Yep. And he pointed it out. He said, I, I was hoping that that was going to be the game that we got the rust off and sort of woke up and got our timing back um it didn't happen um and you could sort of tell that there was some steam and, and some wheels turning uh with that because i mean again that's the whole reason you you put that out there is again you're, you're trying to create some competition without it counting per se mm-hmm. and uh, it's just unfortunate um and it's an, it's going to be a game where if these 
if this was the end of the season, this is a game that you're going to circle on the calendar. If you're a Huskies player, Huskies coach, Huskies fan to say, this is the one that we should have had. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is a lesson learned. Unfortunately, you know, all you can do now is look ahead and uh, it's not going to be an easy schedule from here on out. Again, it's a home and home with St. Thomas next weekend. Um, and then I believe Ohio state comes to town after that. If I remember correctly, yes, it is perfect. Yeah, Ohio State uh, to finish out the month of January does not get easier. That's exactly what you're trying to say. Ohio State uh, at home, then you travel to Wisconsin, home and home with Minnesota, Duluth, a major matchup, 16th and 17th of February, and then finish the season with an opponent that I would hope you take all points from against Bemidji State, although that last uh, series of the regular season, the Beavs have given the Huskies fits in years past, so keep an eye on that one as well. But uh, yeah, that's one of those things where you've, got to be on your toes here especially this upcoming weekend the Tommies have played not only the Huskies but a lot of teams really closely going to need uh, all hands on deck speaking of Clara Himlerova uh, paces the team 18 points in the season for her Katie Kaufman uh, in second with 14 on the year and then a lot of Huskies um, at 11 and 10 points respectively netminder wise still good numbers Sonny Ahola uh, now inching closer to a one GAA at 0.91, um, a 9.63 save percentage and JoJo Choback, a 1.74 goals against and a 9.32 to kind of cap off uh, the statistical uh, spread for the Huskies. But I mean, you preview a team in St. Thomas, Nick, coming up next week who um, didn't have, of course, the greatest showing this weekend against a pretty good opponent. I'm going to imagine this team's going to be chomping at the bit. We've mentioned it so much about this Tommy's team that they just cannot seem to buy any sort of puck luck in a lot of the hockey games that they played in. At some point, that that thing changes. And if you're the Huskies, mm-hmm. already having dropped this game that maybe you wouldn't have liked to in regulation against Mankato, you don't want to make it two weekends in a row where the best you can do is a split. No, and you know darn well that Brian Adolski and their coaching staff is going to hammer Friday's you know game and effort home, uh, because again you you can't your your margin for error now is slim to none, um, you know in terms of trying to capture a home ice position, um, it's kind of like you know the NFL playoffs where you know you got to win two or three. Um, you split the first two and then not only do you have to win the third game, but you need help. That's sort of what the Huskies feel like they're at, right? You know, it's like, we know that we know there's teams that we have to take care of. And again, this is not a slight to St. Thomas, but more that for St. Cloud, again, they, they need to be able to play to their potential. And if they do, they should have six points this weekend. Um, at the end of it, you still have to go out and play the hockey, right? If there's any lesson learned, um, we will show that hopefully on Friday. And I would expect them to come out with, you know, essentially rockets attached to their skates because, again, they cannot let a Friday to get away from them again. Because if it does, um, that might be all she wrote in terms of trying to prepare for a home ice spot. Um, the teams above them are just that good. Um, you never know, but, you know, you kind of feel like, you know, again, the mountain just gets higher if that's what happens. Speaking of teams above them, Nick, taking a look, by the way, the Huskies, as you can see at the bottom of the screen right now, they still are sitting at eighth in the pairwise, uh, despite uh, the showing this weekend. Duluth right ahead of them at seven, Wisconsin at five, the Gophers at four. And then, of course, no surprise, Ohio State leading the pack uh, as 
I would say most of us would expect at this point. A very good hockey team, uh, nonetheless. But any kind of final thoughts here for the women's team here, Nick? Is uh, you know maybe not the weekend that they were hoping for. A bit uncharacteristic. They they've been flying high for the most part, besides maybe a few bumps in the road here and there this season. Uh, first time all year really that an opponent below them significantly has given them enough pushback to solve them this year they got kicked in the mouth they responded despite being outshot again on saturday um but at the end of the day uh, we still got a lot of hockey left it's gut check time right because you know it, it, minnesota state came out they executed the game plan and uh, St. Cloud, for whatever reason, they just weren't ready to play on Friday. You just cannot have that the rest of the year. You just can't. Um, so the good news there is that you can say, you can look in the mirror and say, we can be better. We know we are better. And so, you know, is it easily fixable? Yeah, it's a mentality shift. Um, but as I think with the transition of this hockey club, you know, over the past year and a half under Idolski, it's now the mental strength now which is going to be the biggest thing they're going to have to sort of hunker down on right you know you're going to have to have a short-term memory um in terms of you gotta you gotta put it behind you right but also you know learn and take from what it was right so at the end of it if they do that this should be fine but again um you know at the end of it, it's still, I think we have to kind of take ourselves back to, right, knowing that, you know, a year and a half ago, we would have only dreamed that, you know, we would essentially be neck and neck for a whole mice position in the WCHA. So mm-hmm. yeah, at the end of it, they're still in a really good spot. Um, so we'll just have to see how this ride goes, but I think they'll be fine. Well, it's good that we have this type of expectation. It shows the type of year that this women's team has had. Um, yeah. Obviously, you don't want it to happen against any opponent, but uh any of the opponents below you, St. Thomas, Mankato, as we've found out, um, you know, Bemidji as well. You don't want it to happen there. Really can't have it happen uh, against Duluth or Minnesota at this point if you kind of want to sniff at climbing up the rankings a little bit. Ohio State right. and Wisconsin, two very good teams as they've shown. They've been relatively uh, the stronger squads for most of the year where it's kind of become a two-horse race for first place right now. I think Minnesota uh even though we've got a lot of hockey left, the points differential is quite a big spread. So uh, I would say that our top two are set in stone, but not quite set, depending on if the Badgers can start to uh, go on a tear and if the Buckeyes uh, falter at any point. Uh, Speaking of faltering at any point, how about we move over to the men's side here, the St. Cloud State and the men's team, their first loss in conference action in regulation this season uh, if you want to be technical about it going back to the shootout loss in omaha technically a two-game losing streak if you want technically, to, yeah. if you want to be technical about such things but uh um with that being said um you know this was uh, a, a team that i i I don't know if they weren't necessarily ready to play. The first period was just fine. Shots were 9-7 in favor of the Huskies. And St. Cloud uh, will show this clip here. This one uh, is the only one that we have on the men's side that doesn't have any sound for us. But... uh, The goal line and the Huskies are off and running. But, I mean... After that, Nick, um, yeah, we get to the second period. Shots 18-10 in favor of Denver uh, in this middle period. 
And it was an onslaught and not a special teams weekend to, to remember here, Nick. No. Um, we do have sound for the rest of these one. Uh, minute 39 in, uh, Massimo Rizzo uh, tied Denver up and they didn't look back. So good this season. Denver, though. Good chance in front again. Divine crashing in. Rizzo there to clean up and finish. Yeah, I mean, no, no mistake there, Nick. Um, kind of blown coverage in front of the net. I mean, I know it's a penalty kill, so but you leave the weak side guy all alone. You've got to commit either to the guy on the weak side or the guy in the middle of the ice. Ends up being kind of a broken play that, that kicks out to the middle of the ice. And just like that, uh, Denver makes it one nothing. Um, we'll kind of recap these, I think, kind of in aggregate just because of how much yeah. of an onslaught it was. Uh, Jared Wright, uh, just a minute later, this one, of course, was at even strength, uh, made it 2-1 in favor of the Piles. Find now, ass cross shot wide. Jared right in front, they don't come easier than that. And that's one of those where if you're the Huskies, it's it's hard mentally to bounce back from that one. Puck gets shot off the glass, comes off the end wall. Uh, players standing right there to smack it home off the weak side. Nothing you can really do there, but uh, when it's a one nothing game and then suddenly the lead doubles, that one's kind of a dagger, so that one always, of course, hurts. Uh, Rizzo with his second of the night. Uh, this one also at even strength just after the halfway point, made it 3-1 Denver. Divine. Rizzo able to pick it up across to Webster. Back to Rizzo in the back of the net. Second of the night for Massimo Rizzo. Don't know if that's one a netminder wants back, Nick. A, a shot in the slot across the grain glove side. Uh, Dominic Bassi, of course, pretty much kind of got shelled uh, in this second period. Uh, is that one that you look at a goaltender and you say maybe you should have that one defenseman challenging the play, or is that just a, a good shot from a good shooter? Could be a bit of both, honestly. I think if Bassey, you know, was, I think he's got a clean look at that. You know, I think he feels like he probably should have had at least a piece of that. Uh, but let's not mistake who's shooting that puck, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes a puck just beats a goaltender, um, whether it's just the perfect placement or just you know, whizzes right past you because it's just that hard. You know, sometimes you have to tip your cap to a heck of a goal scorer. And I think for there, I think Biasi would want to have it, but also let's understand who who's making that shot. So tough call. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rieger Lorenz, uh, shorthanded. This one really burned if you're a Huskies fan. You're within two. You're getting into the waning moments of the period. And uh, instead, it's 4-1. Shorthanded goes this season. You're playing in front. Rieger Lorenz! I mean, breakdown in coverage, the last thing you want on a power play is to give up a goal. Uh, and then to cap off the period, uh, another power play goal for Denver with just four seconds remaining. Tristan Bros um, at tallying the primary assist on that one. I don't have that one clipped, unfortunately. Didn't really make much of a difference. Huskies outshot 12-11 in the third for a 37-30 advantage for Denver, who went two for five on the power play. Huskies 0 for four on their opportunities. Matt Davis. Stop 29 of 30 on the other side for Denver. And just like that, in front of a crowd of just under 6,400, uh, Denver able to hand the Huskies their first regulation loss in conference play. Um, and Nick, uh, this is a, a team that really hasn't been getting into a bunch of special teams kind of juggernaut battles here and there. And all of a sudden it just kind of collapsed both on the penalty kill and on the power play, giving up a shorty. Um, I know we talked about the non-conference uh, result for the Huskies and some of those games that kind of went by the wayside, especially maybe that second period in Mankato early on in the season. Yep. Boy, 
that's a period that absolutely stings giving up five straight in the middle frame. Uh, it kind of makes me think a little bit of, was it last year, I want to say? I can't remember if it was last year or two years ago. I think it was last year. Um, Miami in Miami uh, end up off of a major penalty. Miami gets three straight, and just like that, they, the Red Hawks never look back. We'll talk about them this weekend, by the way, too. But uh, um, yeah, just kind of a painful one for the Huskies, who really did not play the game bad in the first period. You know, got off to the lead, and then uh, yeah, it really broke down. And five-one is really hard to come back from. Yeah, and it's you get the sense too that. Because St. Cloud is, you know, has maybe kind of seen themselves as invisible in the NCHC, you know, a little bit of adversity there, you know, two quick ones, you know, that's in between the ears in my, you know, in my perspective, you have to be able to reset and it's not like you're bleeding. It's not like it's damage control, but you have to understand, okay, yep, two quick ones. That's not great, but let's, you know, let's, let's get back to it. You know, let's, let's keep our heads up. Let's play the game the right way. And it's it's the it's the simple mistakes, right? It's you know, like you said, breakdown and coverage. And as you mentioned, that one, the the shorthanded goal, those always are a killer. It doesn't matter if you're ahead or behind, but uh just capping off really was the tip of the iceberg of that hockey game. And um St. Cloud you know, kind of like the women's side, you know, this was a real mental gut check for them on this on this weekend. And yeah, just not a great result. Uh, but uh, again, you're looking for the response, and I'm sure we'll touch on game number two, which was much better. Was much better. Uh, still, we're going to talk about the special teams. Uh, 6,200 was the attendance in this one. The Huskies win 5-4 in a shootout. Uh, this was a game mentally, like you kind of alluded to, though, Nick. I think they were much better in terms of responding each time uh, in this game. And they also carried a lead for the majority of this hockey game. In fact, if memory serves, they did not trail in this hockey game. So, uh, again, when you when you're, excuse me, they trailed early on in the hockey game and then did not trail after period number one, I should say. But this was a game where St. Cloud played much tighter in terms of the back and forth action. Uh, like I mentioned, they do uh, give up three power play goals on seven opportunities for Denver. So discipline, obviously a big factor, did not capitalize on three power play chances of their own. Shots 37-34 in favor of the Pioneers, uh, who had a 14-11 margin in the first, 15-5 in the second. So a good response again in the middle period. The period of the long change. Um, as we'll see, Denver tallied three goals in that middle frame. And then 18-3, the Huskies woke up. I don't know what Brett Larson said uh, in between uh, the second and third period. Nobody ended up tallying goals in that final frame, of course, or in overtime. Shots 5 nothing for Denver, who was all over the Huskies. The Huskies were very fortunate to get to a shootout. We'll talk about a save from Isaac Posh as well in this one. But we start uh, very, uh, not very early on, after the halfway point of period number one. Jack Devine, his 18th of the season, had the Pios ahead in this one. Here's Shai Puyam. Nice move around Hall. Comes in deep in front. And that's one of those that's difficult, Nick, just from the sense of, you know, you get a broken play, puck stays in the zone along the half wall, and just like that, defensemen are scrambling to get back, uh, guys doing everything they can to 
kind of try to stay in. I think it was Mason Reiners who was trying to come back defensively, laying down and game of inches on that one, a good backdoor tap in there. Um, I mean, is that one of those that you kind of just chalk up to, uh, you know, an unfortunate bounce puck stays in or maybe the old adage of pucks got to get out of the zone? Uh, I think two things. Uh, Puck's got to get out one. And number two, you know, when we look at back at the 2021 run to the national championship game, Noah, you know, breakdowns are going to happen. Right. And that's the thing is you have to be able to sort things out. St. Cloud State did not do a very good job of sorting things out here. Um, you, have to, you just went back to that clip. Um, three players are high in the zone. So when the defenseman turned around, right, um, Barrett Hall gets burned. Um, all he had was open ice in front of him. And then Mason Reiners, I think if you're Brett Larson, Dave Shayak, you know, instead of laying down, you got to tie your man up, right? You like to stay on your feet in that situation. Um, and just the way the game is played now, you know, players can thread the needle they can get it through um and at the end of the day you're putting your goaltender kind of in no man's land too so at the end of it i I think it's both i think the pucks a gotta get out but if it does take a bounce communicate you gotta shout out and then you gotta be much better at re you know sort of just resetting your structure the defensive end to kind of prevent um, an easier rush to the net which led to that goal there for the pios Credit St. Cloud, though, they responded two goals in the final minute of period number one. Josh Lidke, only his second of the season. Dylan Anhorn, defensive partner, tallies and assists. Kyler Kupka also helping out on this one as well. Blocker save made. Long rebound to Anhorn. One-timer of Lidke, and he scores. Not sure if it was tipped, but a big slap shot from Lidke. Actually, interesting, Nick, the goal scorer for the Pios ends up screening his own netminder. And just like that, Josh Lidke, a cannon from the point. And what I like about that, although as much as I would like to see a Husky creating that screen instead of a Denver Pioneer, both forwards were at either side of the net. So if a rebound poked free on either side, you know, they're there to pick up the loose change. But uh, Nick, uh, we talked about it in the women's game. Good things happen when you shoot the puck. Yeah, and you know, as you saw with the goaltender, especially in that last look from behind the net, you could see he didn't pick it up. As you mentioned, the own screen uh, took away his vision on that. And, you know, again, when you got a clear lane, you got to get it through. Um, at least that first layer, they're able to get it all the way through on net. Goaltender doesn't pick it up. It beats him. Um, you can see he reacted very, very late. It was already by him by the time his arm was even lifting up uh, for the Huskies. As you mentioned, if there was a rebound, you got two forwards on either side uh, looking for a kick out in good position there uh, but as you mentioned if there's maybe one thing you want to change is you know have a husky take away the vision too right you can still have one person off to the weak side or one way or the other but you've got to have someone creating havoc either way st cloud gets the goal that they needed and uh, just good execution there from low to high but guys going to the crease that theme would continue uh just 28 seconds later four seconds left in the first period jack peart Werner mietnan found zach okabe for his third of the season jared right Final five seconds, tipped in, and the Huskies get another one. Twice. In about 24 seconds. And this time it was Zach Okabe finding the puck in front. Perfect. Maybe.
maybe a bit of basketball there, Nick. Look at that spin-off move to create separation yeah. off of the defender. Guys just throwing a puck towards the net, going to the blue paint. And uh, I, I think that might honestly have been my favorite goal of the weekend. I just love the workman-like type effort. You create a cycle play, you establish zone time, and you've got guys going to the net. The other forward is tying up a defender on the front side of that post. Just like that, the Huskies suddenly have life and carry a 2-1 lead into the locker room. And let's also make sure we recognize that, you know, defensemen starting to get active in the cycle there too, right? Um, and, uh, you know, one thing to take away from this, you know, you watch the NHL games, you watch, you know, the pros, and one thing that you hear analysts say is, you know, the goal, goal series, they release at the right time, right? And Zach Wakabi there, you know, essentially was in a position for a screen or a tip, but then he sees that exchange, right? As soon as that exchange happens, that's when he spins off yeah. and then it, opens up he presents the stick and then what a great feat as you mentioned uh, a nice little saucer pass and then again elevating the puck in tight quarters to beat it over the pad that's great execution by the huskies but again um zach okabe shading to that strong side as soon as that you know exchange takes place he spins off i'm able to get inside position and then with the great finish so i love that play too that's just great overall play yeah uh, and uh, this game still had a lot of hockey and a lot of goals left to be played. This one now 2-2, six and a half minutes into period number two. Denver on the power play, their first of three in the game on the board. Five seconds remaining on the two-man advantage. Flattens the puck. Out of the box comes Kupka. Big blast! Matica is automatica! We're tied at two! That's kind of one of those, Nick, you see the net pop, but more importantly, for those who are paying attention, if you're watching on our Facebook or Facebook, I should say YouTube feed, I'm back in my <laughs> broadcasting <laughs> mind from the other night with the Toros. But, uh, you know, the fact that uh, the Huskies, unfortunately, you've got Kyler Kupka, Josh Lidke, uh, both in the box, ends up being a five on three advantage. Huskies technically kill off the first one just as that goal ends up in the back of the net. But power play goal is a power play goal just like that. It's tied up. So discipline again something that kind of burned the huskies a little bit makes it 2-2 uh nick i think uh i have an inkling of what you might say here what a cannon of a shot and uh how about that pass to it was perfectly right in the wheelhouse it looks like posh actually got a piece of it um but again you know you you put one in the wheelhouse for many of these college d1 players they're going to rip it and uh, that was just an absolute laser beam of a shot again that's a tough save and a five on three there's a lot of open ice um and again you know when a defensive posture you know you're trying to take away the shot there i know i, I couldn't get the the husky that was trying to come out to challenge it but nonetheless uh just way too much uh, oomph on that shot. Uh, and again, Denver, great execution there on special teams. Two minutes later, though, Ethan Acoin, uh, the only Husky with a multi-goal weekend from Tyson Gross, got uh, St. Cloud right back into the lead. He got his pocket picked by Gross as a man score. A back turnover by Denver leads to a road that we got between the hash mark and the goal. Easy one there. a broken record but Denver continues to be haunted by their defensive and that's kind of one of those Nick uh, you don't really get a chance to see the very initial play on the the opening opportunity but that's all created from a turnover making a defenseman turn a puck over you get guys to turn their feet it essentially is a, a 
two-on-one with an extra defenseman backchecking, and uh, a coin didn't miss on that one. Huskies will take that kind of turnover, I think, at any point. Uh, not really much more to say about that one. And then St. Cloud, five minutes later, Werner Mietten in his third of the season, Dylan Anhorn, Kyler Kupka. That would be the end of the scoring for the Huskies in regulation, who led 4-2 at this point. Tyler Kupka up on the wall. Good shift here for the Huskies. Big blast, score, and the Huskies get another one. This time from Werner Mietnik. First two-goal lead of the night for either team. Mietnik from the high slot just wound up and fired a slap shot and beat Davis to the stick side. And you look at that video, Rewind, Nick, what did we talk about in that first period? Guys yep. need to get to the front of the net. I No way a goaltender is going to see that shot from the point. And uh, it's not a particularly threatening shot. You pick a side of the net, roving screen the opposite direction. Boom, 4-2. And how about that, right? The exchange there, Dylan Anhorn is the one that's down low. Again, the defenseman involved in the cycle play, Werner Bietten covering up high. And as you mentioned, you know, sees maybe a little bit of a window. Uh, Joey Molinar, I believe, was the Husky that ran to the front of the crease there and created that screen. And then Werner Bietten, again, just get it on net. He beats the goaltender clean on that short side. Again, just a great low to high play and then just getting pucks through ends up getting the back of the net. Yeah, but Denver wasn't done. They had the last laugh in the second period. Once again, a pair of power play goals uh, with just under three minutes to play. Aiden Thompson and Carter King will run those back-to-back. -back. And just like that, Denver enters the locker room tied at four. Shot there by Rose, sent aside. Denver gets it back. Here's a feed in front, driving the net. Thompson, he Yeah, bit of a defensive breakdown on that first one, Nick. You're on the kill. Everybody's looking to the weak or the strong side. Play comes to the weak side. Everybody panics, tries to recover. Well, where does the play end up going? Back to the trailer on the weak side, backdoor tap in there. And then just like that, Denver, they weren't done. Made it 4-4. Zee Booyah chases it down. Centering pass. And I mean, that one a bit more unfortunate because the defender tips off his stick. Weak side defenseman can't read it cleanly off of the redirect. But nonetheless, what do we talk about, Nick? You're shorthanded once again. You give up three power play goals. Not necessarily so much about the fact that you gave up three special teams markers, but you're allowing the opportunity. You can't give a team like Denver seven power play chances. St. Cloud was lucky to escape uh, regulation, uh, I would say, tied 4-4 from that perspective of things. Um, what did you kind of garner from those two goals in the power play? Uh, again, you know, with Denver, they're just... They are North Dakota of last year, right, where they've got the weapons up front uh, against Steve William, who had a hell of a World Junior showcase for the team USA. He's just such a great, smart player, um, I believe, involved in that first one. Uh, but Denver, again, just the hockey IQ, right? You know, especially in that pat on that first one, right? The play comes over to the weak side. Huskies, as you mentioned, they panic, they overcommit, and more so they don't pick up a man. 
you know, you can't allow someone to get inside position on you. You got to be able to tie up the sticks. You got to be able to understand, pick up the threats. Um, the Huskies there. And then the second goal, I'm with you there. I believe that was Vidi Mietnam there. That was actually the one that, you know, got a handle on it, at least initially. Um, and kind of a tough play there, too, because for Isaac Posh there, you know, he's a bit deep in his net, but not much he can do about it, right? You know, when that play is coming from below the goal line out front, you got to respect the fact that, they, you know, they could come around and bring it to the front of the net. So you're kind of in a really a tough spot there. Um, and for Vidi, you could see his reaction that he knew he left kind of a a puck on a platter there, there in the slot. But then again, Denver, again, you, you just, you can't, as you mentioned, you can't, Give them, and I believe both of those. Uh, I think we forgot to mention that was a Zach Okabe, uh five minute major for a contact to the head, too. Yeah. So you mentioned the disciplinary, you know, piece of this, right? Um, the Huskies, you know, penalties are going to happen, right? But you got to be able to try to control some things, you know, contact to the head. I know that hockey's a fast game, sometimes things happen, but against a team like Denver, who does have, you know, a lot of great offensive firepower, you can't, as you mentioned, give them seven opportunities to, to beat you and uh, potentially. You know, two goal um, gets erased, two goal advantage, and you know gives Denver the momentum and maybe steals a regulation win away from the Huskies at this point. Yeah, great point. I would say, and St. Cloud wanted uh, to respond well. They did eighteen three were the shots in the third, so they were pressing uh, to try to get a regulation victory. They were uh, handily outplayed though in the overtime. Uh, and you mentioned Isaac Posh, who ended up. Uh, having a great hockey game and the stats don't do him justice 33 saves on 37 shots he made a massive save uh in the overtime that we're going to throw up here as well too vietti mietten and tristan bros scoring for st cloud in denver respectively tristan bros was the first shooter of the contest but it was kyler kupka who ended up uh tallying the game winning goal and then a big save from isaac posh of course to end this one we'll bring it on home huskies win 5-4 in a shootout out of gas. Booyam over the line to Rizzo. Back to Booyam. To Rizzo. And a save again by Tristan Rose will start it out for Denver. Going wide. Stops at the hash mark. Goes to the backhand and scores. In real slow. Far circle. Forehand. Score. Kyler Kupka. Going to his right. Now back to the forehand. Shot score. Third chance. Massimo Coming in, goes really wide. Now back in again to the forehand. Backhand, and he missed it, and that'll do it. So the Huskies will get that extra point. And I thought a relatively strong game for Isaac Posh too, Nick. I mean, uh, he played well. He's really kind of come into his own a little bit, earned a little bit more trust, I think, from Brett Larson. He's comfortable maybe playing both goaltenders now as well, too. We didn't really know how things were going to go considering when he came from the USHL team he was playing for didn't have great numbers you know his numbers weren't exactly stellar necessarily because of that as well you never really know what you're going to get I think he's slowly earning that trust also good set of hands from a lot of shooters but the Huskies get the job done and I uh, you know I would say for all their effort especially at five on five the Huskies maybe deserve to at least get a point out of the weekend but two is even better so I mean uh, in that regard uh, you'll take it a very good Pioneers team that responded uh, from a rocky first half. And uh, I don't know if uh, David Carl and Brett Larson took the same plane back from the World Juniors and just headed straight to uh, straight to Magnus Arena or if uh, Brett came back to the Granite City first. But I wonder if, if they did fly together, like, all right, good gold medal. Now keep your head up, you know. But uh, it, right. was, <laughs> it was, was certainly some back-and-forth action there. And uh, St. Cloud, uh, to their credit, um, 
you know, getting the job done. We'll get to standings in just a second, but a uh, bit of a gutty, gutsy effort. Uh, Magnus Arena has not been kind to St. Cloud, especially on Friday nights, which continues a little bit there. Uh, but they do well enough on Saturday to force the issue and uh, garner a couple points. Yeah, and that's and that's what you like, right? Is you know, despite the fact you gave up a four-two lead, you know, a tough penalty, you gave up two power play goals. Uh, you stayed in the fight, right? You kept grinding away. You push it to overtime again. Denver very, very good in open ice. Um, and as you mentioned, sometimes your goaltender has to, you know, be your best player in those situations and how about that explosive save he made a massimo rizzo yeah. to win the shootout right uh stayed with him he didn't commit he stayed patient and then when rizzo went from forehand backhand this that athleticism to push right to left and be able to take away that shooting opportunity um you know i, I think we're gonna see Rhett larson go with two goaltenders the rest of the way yeah. um you you and i both know that you, know, you go back to 2022 um david rennick goes out with injury jackson caster comes in um just you know not a great position for him um i would imagine that you're going to see both goaltenders get some pretty good minutes i would imagine probably even splitting series from here on out um not that Bassey's been bad because he's in a mike richter award watch list um but i think also you know you want to make sure that you're prepared. And I think for Isaac Posh, I think he's got some talent and who knows, maybe this is an audition for him to maybe pick up some more minutes as well. I thought he played, like you mentioned, pretty good. Uh, but again, back to the big thing, you get some points out of a, a, a place that normally isn't very kind to you. So uh, again, you know, you can at least garner that, uh, but the road doesn't get any easier here, Noah. Um, next up, it's the big mighty North Dakota fighting Hawks. And uh, I said the word mighty, respectfully this is a hell of a hockey team yeah they certainly are and uh the fact that you have them on home ice you have to feel good about the huskies actually a four game home swing they've got north dakota followed by omaha and then they travel for four games back out to colorado to face cc which the tigers have been surging as of late put up a good showing we'll talk about them in just a few moments and then miami of course in the middle of february and then i believe st cloud has a week off uh after that before a four-game yes. home swing now, Western Michigan, and then Denver comes back to town. These Pios march first and second before uh, the usual Minnesota Duluth uh, finish uh, the 8th and 9th of March. This one, of course, will be up at Amsoil Arena this year. Uh, for Huskies currently right now, Kyler Kupka and Dylan Anhorn both pace the team with 18 points respectively. Vieti Miatnian, Adam Ingram with 16. Zach Okabe, Joey Molinar round out your players with double digits in points. And we also talked about Isaac Posh, who has a 9.38 save percentage and a 1.88 goals against in four contests that he's played. Dominic Bassi, a 9.11 and a 2.31 has certainly shouldered a lot more of the workload but at the same time uh you know keep an eye on that as well too we'll get to nchc standings in just a second but pairwise implications you've got st cloud sitting tied for 12th with actually the minnesota golden gophers just down the road so umass uh had a split this weekend so they and michigan round out uh your grouping of 16 with Cornell and Arizona State hot on their heels. Western Michigan, despite the result this weekend, they're sitting at 10. Denver at 8. North Dakota, who comes to town next weekend, right next to them at 7. Uh, and then your top two teams are the BU and BC squads with Michigan State and Quinnipiac rounding out your one seeds. Wisconsin and Maine rounding out that top grouping of eight. So um, keep an eye on that as well, too. And uh in just a few seconds here, we'll kind of take a look actually at 
Um, well, that's the opportunity, right, Noah? Uh, right. It's, you know, you talk about pairwise, you, you don't want to be below 10, right? Yeah. Um, so with North Dakota's opportunity coming in this weekend, if mm-hmm. you, a, you need at least one, yeah, right? But if you can get two, you know, maybe that gets you up to maybe 11, maybe 10. Um, it, it certainly will help, you know, um, at the end of the day, you can't get swept. Yeah. You know, that you can't do because uh, you're in danger territory. Just ask Alaska, mm-hmm. right? 12 is not a safe spot. So um, at the end of the day, you know, you have to look at it as, yep, North Dakota is a good squad, but, you know, it's on home ice. Um, we won't have to touch them again until, you know, for the rest of the year. Um, you know, let's, let's protect our home barn and you know, let's get two wins out of this because that would help St. Cloud immensely, yep. you know, as we go down the rest of the season. So um, hopefully they can take care of business because that's a great opportunity for them to surge a little bit in the pairwise. Again, it's not going to be up to eight, up to nine, um, but even a couple of spots would be immensely huge for St. Cloud. Well, and let's take a look at what happened last weekend as you ramp up for the NCHC and then we'll take a very brief look at North Dakota to finish out the show. Uh, of course, uh, on Friday, Western Michigan 4-1 over Miami. Keep that one tucked in the back mind right there. Overtime was the finish in Duluth against CC. The Tigers pushed back in that one, forced the Bulldogs to have to win that one in OT. Speaking of overtime finishes, Omaha 5-4 in Grand Forks. Like I said, if there's any team that's going to have that's a potential the one. <laughs> to solve North Dakota in their own building, the Mavs, uh, and I guess CC did it a little bit this year as well too, so don't count either of those out because either of those squads could still see North Dakota come playoff yep. time. Uh, and then Saturday, why did I say tuck that Western Michigan game in the memory bank? Well, they dropped one 4-3 against Miami uh, on that second night. North Dakota responds 3-1 against Omaha. Mavs still a great showing uh, at Ralph Engelstead Arena. And then CC, an overtime finish that they were on the right side of. 3-2 at Amsoil Arena in Duluth uh, ended up rounding out the weekend. Uh, as far as looking ahead to next weekend, Duluth travels to Western. Denver will travel to Baxter Arena and take on Omaha. And Miami will face CC to see if the Tigers can keep things rolling, Nick. But uh, final kind of thought here uh, as we look. The NCHC standing, St. Cloud still atop the pack, but only just 24 points for them right now. Um and uh, you kind of look at uh, a conference that is starting to tighten up a little bit at the top. North Dakota is still 22 points for them. Denver now at 17, uh, as is Western Michigan with the loss against Miami. So things getting interesting in the top four. Uh, North Dakota hot on the Huskies' heels and Denver surging as we maybe expected a great weekend for the Pios against our Huskies to put themselves back in the fight. CC, meanwhile, occupying the top spot of uh, the non-home ice crew, 13 points for them, 12 for Duluth, 11 for Omaha, 5-6-7. Things getting interesting there as well, too. Miami with the win now up to four points to cap off the grouping. But uh, Nick, uh, this is going to be a fun ride to the finish. It all starts with North Dakota on home ice next weekend. If you're St. Cloud facing an opponent that uh, was beaten by the only other opponent to best you this year in conference play in Omaha, what should the Huskies expect? What do they got to do? Well, first of all, uh, that's uh, that's a talented group up front that are going to have to slow down, right? Um, how do you do that? You make them defend, right? I think St. Cloud has to play below the goal line. I think they have to get their cycle going, get their forward check going. 
and be very smart puck management, right? You have to be able to clog the middle of the ice. You have to prevent them to be in transition and to really get their feet moving. Mm-hmm. Um, because if they get their forecheck established, you get with Brad Barry, they love to involve all five players. They love to really sneak down almost to the top of the circles where the defensemen, they really, really suffocate and shrink the ice. Um, so you don't want that, right? And also you can't give away easy looks. Uh, North Dakota loves to stretch the ice as well. Um, with their speed, again, Jackson Blake, just to name one of the many forward uh, weapons that they have. Um, you have to be able to know where they're on at all times. So uh, to me, you have to have a good game plan as far as a four checks concerned and then really be cognizant of the neutral zone and preventing transition from North Dakota because that's how they beat a lot of teams. Yeah, it should be a good weekend of hockey. If you are a Huskies fan, of course, uh, both these games, Friday, Saturday, the 19th and 20th, both games against North Dakota for the men's team who is 11-6-3 now on the season will be in the Granite City at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. Friday will be in St. Thomas for the women's team. Saturday, of course, will be that afternoon matinee before the men's game back at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center against the Tommies. This team 14-7-1 on the season. Friday, it's at St. Cloud, Saturday in Mendota. Oh, is that maybe I maybe I did have that wrong. Hold on. Let me just make sure, because Lord knows that we've (laughs) definitely had this wrong before or myself usually. But uh, um, maybe I did read it wrong. Of course, uh, you are correct. Yes. Friday, of course. Yes, you are right. So Friday, three o'clock, the women's team will be playing at home. Saturday will be on the road. You are more than correct. Six o'clock on the road at uh, St. Thomas. Good catch there, Nick. one of the things that the Huskies... I'd be in the wrong spot if I was wrong. We'll put it that way. So. <laughs> well, best of luck on the call and uh, best of luck to the Huskies if they're trying to catch anything. How about a couple of points and a little bit of resurgence for their Friday night woes as of recent? And last weekend, if the Huskies can get uh, four wins on the docket, it would be a more than successful weekend. Women's team certainly has a chance to do it. This men's team, a tough test against North Dakota that they are going to only see for one weekend. That this That's this weekend only, at least for the regular season playoffs notwithstanding uh, as we head down the stretch in the NCHC. For Nick Maxson, I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon in the den for episode 195. Seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.